I'm Michaela Pockner, Associate Editor of Precision Farming Dealer. Welcome to the latest episode of the Precision Farming Dealer podcast, sponsored by Trimble Agriculture. New episodes of this series are available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. Today, I'm talking with Tim Norris, co-owner of Box Concepts Consulting and former CEO of Ag Infotech, Precision Farming Dealers 2015 Most Valuable Dealership. As a consultant, Norris helps small businesses identify a unified vision, purposely work on business growth plans, and use their core values to empower their teams. Ahead of his session at the 2022 Precision Farming Dealer Summit, Norris is giving you an exclusive preview of the strategic planning advice he's going to share during his presentation. In today's episode, Norris guides you through identifying your business's mission and vision, explains what having a defined mission and vision can do for your company's culture and finances, and shares some of the most important lessons he's learned as a business owner over the years. I'm Tim Norris. I'm co-owner of a consulting company called Box Concepts Consulting. And we started this company uh, basically with a, a friend of mine. Our families have vacationed together for a little while. And we have a place on the river where we were going every year and just do a little short mini vacation for a weekend. And one of the rules down there is when you're at the river, there's supposed to be no work being done. And my business partner had a book out on a table. It was called Traction. And I was really interested in traction. And I said, whose traction book is this? And she was all worried, afraid that I was going to give her a hard time because she was doing some work while we were on vacation. She said, it's mine. And then so I held up my traction book. And when I saw her book on the table, I thought it was mine, but I knew I had mine in my hand. And it's like, well, who else is reading traction? So we both discovered that we had this mutual love for helping other businesses and and developing our own businesses as well. And we ended up deciding that, hey, when we retire, that maybe we ought to start a business together. So that's kind of how it, it got started. And since we both really like some of the same concepts, um, it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, that's so funny that you guys are both reading it at the same time and had the same kind of reaction to what the book was talking about. Yeah, it seemed to click with me. One of the neat things about that book was it really showed you not only what you needed to do, but it told you exactly step by step how to do it. But one of the things that both of us agreed upon was it's more for large business. And I've worked in small business a lot of my life. Um, one of the things you know I started with is just farming, and I still continue to farm today. So that's a, a very small business for me. I do about a thousand acres. I have uh, just hired a, a, an employee here, but it's you know, pretty small. Then I started Ag Infotech and, you know, we worked our way up to about 12 employees there before I sold it. Uh, Then I went to work for corporate, a startup company called Smart Ag, and we were developing a driverless tractor for the grain cart. Um, We ended up, that company got sold to Raven Mm -hmm. and I went to work for Raven. So I kind of got to see the spectrum from just a sole proprietorship with one employee to working for Raven at around 1,200 employees. So what we want to do is try to take some of the things that we learned along that journey and and bring it to small businesses so they don't have to make some of the same mistakes that, that we have. What are some of those important lessons that you're sharing with small businesses? 
Well, what we're talking about at the Precision Farming Dealer Summit is empowering and engaging your employees to grow your precision business. One of the biggest lessons I learned, um, especially, and it took me way longer to learn this than it should have, (laughs) vision is important. And that vision isn't just for the top. It's got to go down. Everybody in that organization needs to understand and be in alignment with that vision. And one of the things that, that, you know, I really realized is if you want to motivate people, give them purpose. They have to know why they're doing what they're doing and that it serves a much bigger purpose than just installing a auto steer system on a tractor. And, you know, for several years, I thought what we're doing is we're providing precision ag products and making it work on people's farms. And, and that was kind of our mission. But there was an aha moment fairly early on in my company where I sold a couple auto steers to a farmer and his wife. And this farmer and wife, they just, you know, the best down to earth, greatest people that you can imagine. And this was probably in the late 2000s when auto steer was kind of first brand new and clutches were pretty new. And I remember saying, okay, I, I understand that, that this is going to save a seed and it's, you know, we're going to have straighter rows, but we're taking the money that we saved up for my new kitchen and we're going to invest it into this equipment because Tom thinks this is the way we need to go and that it'll pay back. She says, do you really feel that it'll pay back? <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, I really do. I said, it's probably going to take you a year and a half to two years, but just having the clutches on that uh, planter, on that 24-row planter, and going from shutting 12 rows off at a time to every row, I said, I think you'll pay for it within two years. And she agreed to do it. She gave up her kitchen, put it on hold. And within the first two weeks of, of the planting season, um, they had a problem and couldn't get GPS on, on the, one of the tractors. And it was the corn planting tractor that had the clutches on it. And Tom called, I went out and uh, worked on it, got it fixed, got it figured out and was getting ready to leave. And I see Diane coming down the road and it's a gravel road. There's dust flying off the back of the truck. And I thought, oh, great. She's, she's coming. I'm going to have to have to tell Diane, you know, she's going to tell you, you know, this thing broke and uh, give me a hard time or something about it. And she's waving her arm out the window. <laughs> she pulls in. And she said, I want to thank you. And I said, thank me? What for? I said, your your system broke down. She says, yeah, Tom already radioed that you got it fixed. She says, but I wanted to catch you and tell you thank you for giving me my husband back. Aww. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you gave me my husband back. And I said, well, what do you mean, Diane? And she's like, well, before when I would come out to the field and I'd bring dinner, she says, Tom and my son would get out. They would eat as fast as they could, hardly talk to me at all because they're trying to eat as quick as they can and get back in the tractors to keep them moving. She's like, now I come to the field. I deliver the lunch to my son. I climb in the tractor with Tom. He, he talks to me for 45 minutes to an hour while he takes his time to eat lunch. And she's like, I can even bring him soup. He's like, he doesn't have to do anything while he's going down the rows. You know, she said, this is wonderful. <laughs> And when he comes home at night, he's not near as tired. And that really got me thinking. And and so I tried to think and tried to instill in our team, what we're doing is so much more than providing an electronic gadget that controls something on a planter. 
people really don't want to have electronics to have electronics in their cab, unless you're like me and kind of just love technology. But most people don't love that technology. They want the technology for what it can do for them. Mm-hmm. And that's usually nothing really to do with the technology. It's the outcome that comes from it. And when you start to get people thinking about, you know, this technology is helping put some of these farm families' kids through school because it's making them more efficient. Or it's helping them take a vacation because they had enough money left over at the end of the year that they could afford to go on vacation. There's just so much more that technology can actually do for people. And when you kind of focus on that, it gives you purpose and meaning in the job that you're doing. And so we we changed our mission from making technology work to basically serving God and mankind through the use of technology. And to, to me, that just helps bring the whole reason and purpose um, to the job place. And I feel like if people feel like they have a true purpose, then they're going to be more motivated to come in and 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 perform that job. So mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. When people can see the bigger picture, they're often more enthusiastic about what they're doing and how it makes a difference in the the bigger scheme of things, but beyond the day to day. Right. Yeah. Um, Can you give me an example of how you go about helping a dealer identify what their vision actually is? Yeah, so that's one of the places that we we really like to focus on. And and the first thing that we usually do when we work with a company is define the core values. And one of the things that we like to do in defining the core values is, one, we want to get the whole management team in. Um, and, and just have it be more than the owner. And, and one of the things I learned, again, later in life than I needed to, <laughs> it was uh, the fact that I would go to peer group meetings. Um, I was involved in two different peer groups. And I would come back and I would have great ideas um, and I'd want to implement them, and I would expect everybody to be as excited about it as I was. But the problem was it was my idea and not our idea. Mm. And what I realized in going through this exercise, having that whole management team come in makes it our idea. Then every manager in a a small business, maybe it's every person on the team, is having part and develop the core values and the mission. So one of the first things is, depending on the size of the company, is either to get all the key players in or to get all the team members in and and try to come up with the core values and vision. And so what we ask is we want each individual person that's there to pick three people that if you could replicate them and put them in this business, what qualities do they have that you want to to show or instill in your business. And so we start to get a list of, you know, 30, 40 different different values or qualities up on the board. And we start to pair them together and we start to weed them out till we get the right five to seven, eight different core values that we have. And then that is kind of what is used to define the company and the mission and the vision. So 
the next thing we would look at is, is developing the mission. And we break our mission down into um, two different things. One is a purpose and one is a mission. The purpose is more general, like to serve God and mankind. And the mission would be more specific, like how are you going to do that? So that's kind of how we develop the mission and the core values. We'll get back to the conversation shortly, but first a word from Trimble Agriculture. This series features perspectives from precision experts on a range of topics, and today Jeremy Leach and Kevin Andrews of Trimble join me to talk about the future of autonomy in agriculture. I'm Kevin Andrews. I'm the Strategic Marketing Manager for Trimble Autonomy. My name is Jeremy Leach. I'm the Director of Autonomy for the Agriculture Group at Trimble. And today we're talking about autonomy, which is so timely because our 2022 Precision Farming Dealer Summit in January has a number of sessions focused on preparing your dealership for autonomy. So let's just kind of start big picture. What do you guys see as the future of automation and autonomy? So there are there are a few trends that that we know keep farmers up at night, and you know climate uncertainty has been a big one, especially this month. Um, supply line disruption has been a big one all year. It affects both inputs and machinery, um, but labor has been a constant one uh, for the last couple of years. We know that many farmers are retiring. Um, there's been a real struggle kind of replacing that that experience and and that that workforce. Um, so there's a few areas where where autonomy can really bring about some positive incomes in the future of farming. Um, precision guidance and smarter implements have you know reduced waste and made better use of inputs. Um, but, you know, looking forward, automated and, and you know, real-time assessment of you know, crop and soil health are really going to help again, make sure that we're using water and fertilizer and pesticides where they need to be most and only where they need to be most. Um, but most importantly is, is that autonomy is interesting because it, it enables new operators to run at expert skill levels with, with very little actual experience or you know, early on in their phase. You know, autonomy makes all users more precise, more consistent, and, and puts less pressure on operators to, to operate perfectly all the time, which, which will really help, I think. Yeah, Kevin, I absolutely agree with all your points. I'd also like to add a few other ideas about how it might change the way we think about things. Um, one of those is that Implements have always been getting bigger um, and autonomy may create the possibility for them to get smaller again. Um, you can actually diversify your risk a little bit by not having everything invested in a single machine. Um, ad ad additionally, there's, there's real risk um, in the market and in society overall around our, our food supply. Um, and we know that we have to do um, more with less in the agriculture space. Um, and so enabling farmers with improved technology so that we can lean on their expertise um, and their knowledge about what works and how it works to develop the artificial intelligence of the future is a huge one. Like we don't want to replace or displace the farmer. The farmer is critical. The farmer knows how things work. So, but taking their knowledge and, and, and enabling them and assisting them to do more is going to be a huge part of it. That kind of goes into one of the other questions I wanted to ask, where I think depending on who you talk to about autonomy, people have different visions of what that means. And some people see that as taking the farmer out of farming. The first part of my question is, is that realistic? And then secondly, what is autonomy going to do for farmers in the future? So we, we definitely do not want to take the farmer out of farming. We don't want to lose all of the expertise, particularly local expertise about particular environments that the farmer knows. 
what we want to do is we want to assist the farmer. We want to give them tools to make them more efficient. We want to make it easier for them to, to operate the machines that they operate without them having to continuously focus on just driving the tractor. If a farmer can spend more time looking at the work that's being done behind the hitch and less time actually just steering the vehicle, they can get a better result. Um, we also want to give them you know, feedback on how things have performed. So if you can gather data about how various practices have occurred and a farmer can actually test things from one year to the next or from one season to the next or from one operation to the next, they actually can learn more about what works better. Um, they can take into account like, you know, hey, this is a wetter year and I know that in wetter years, we need to do the following things differently in order to get the best result. We don't want to take the farmer out of the, out of the cab. We don't want to take the farmer out of farming. What we want to do is we want to assist the farmer to make the changes that they want to make when they want to make them. Are there different levels of autonomy and what does that mean? A lot of people think of autonomy as immediately jumping to completely autonomous machines, toiling all the day, completely disconnected from the farmer. Um, and really what we're talking about is, is the different levels of autonomy, which start at you know, simple uh, cues to the farmer to make them more efficient, like you know, row guidance, for example. When, when differential GNSS came out, it enabled technologies like row guidance, and it made operators you know, more efficient, more accurate. And that was what we would call level one of autonomy, where some things are automated and you're indicating to the operator what they can do better. You know, we're moving up to sort of level of two autonomy where more of it is becoming automated. So there's more coordination between uh, systems in the cab and systems behind the hitch at the implement. Um, and so this is allowing the system to become more accurate and, and take things over, but it's also allowing the operator, like Jeremy said earlier, to take on more of that supervisor role to make sure that things are happening properly, to make sure that things are happening safely. And more importantly, the things are focused on on what is creating value for the farmer. Where does Trimble fall within those different levels of autonomy? I think we're really coming up on level two, which is where the the operator is, is no longer the driver, no longer focused on the, the monotonous and, and repetitive tasks of, of driving and keeping on task. Um, but he's allowed to make sure that everything's working correctly. So things like, you know, variable rate application, uh, automatic boom heights, these are, these are, technologies that are coming and are going to be being a big part of the journey. Um, more of that's going to come. And, and that's where we are right now. And, and we're really sort of working with the farmer to make sure that, that they're in that supervisor role, they're, they're in the safety role, um, but we're taking over more of the, the, the detail work. Well, we want to give the farmer the opportunity to move from the doing and having to do everything themselves into the role where they're able to plan then the machine helps them or assists them in the execution phase at different levels for different jobs. Like you're going to find that the machine is able to do more things in some areas than others. You're also going to find that there's some areas where the farmer wants to stay personally involved because it's such a high risk thing. You can't afford to get it wrong. So throughout the season, you, you, the farmer may ebb and flow between how much autonomy he accepts, how much automation he accepts with, with a view to, we don't want to do it all, at least not initially. Like that, that's just too much to ask. What we want to do is we want to help the farmer at every stage of the farming cycle to do the things that are monotonous, that need to be outsourced. If we can outsource it to a machine, then everybody wins. What do you think dealers can do to show farmers why autonomy is beneficial to them? I think it's about trust. 
uh, I think the better that the dealers understand the technology and the benefits and how it addresses the, the farmer's needs, uh, the more likely the farmers themselves are going to adopt it. Um, I think we've got a lot of work to deal with some very specific fears like cybersecurity and data privacy. You know, as, as things get more automated, they also become more complicated. Um, so, so these are some of the things that, that we as the suppliers really need to make sure that we're addressing correctly um, and make sure that it's communicated through the dealer network as well so that, that they understand it, they get a chance to get their hands on it, um, that they learn it and understand it. And, and so it's coming from a place of trust and a place of understanding. And I think that's where the dealers are really going to come up. I would also add to that, Kevin, that some of the new technology will come via the OEM on new machines, but not all of it. We're not going to suddenly see a wholesale replacement of the, the fleets of vehicles that are out there completing work. And so the dealer network is going to be incredibly important to um, being able to apply, you know, incremental autonomy solutions into the aftermarket piece by piece. They're going to need to be able to support the farmer and how they work. They're going to need to be able to provide the farmer with training on where to apply things. And in some cases, they may actually do initial like tests and implementations to make sure things are appropriate. Like there's a huge range of possibilities for the dealer network to get involved um, in enabling farmer. And one of the big things is just going to be around an introduction to the technology and making sure everything works as expected for the farmer to help him meet his goals for the season. I'd say that the future is really exciting. I, I'd, I'd say that it's a, it's a really delicate balance in managing expectations because there are many, many people out there that are terrified of an autonomy solution. There are also many, many people out there that can't wait for it to be available and, and can't understand why it's not available now. Um, what I would say is this technology is hard. Um, it takes time. And it's one of those ones where getting it right is really, really important, not just from a safety point of view, but also from a commercial point of view. You absolutely don't want to make a mistake and trample a crop. Like that's going to cost someone a lot of money. So being right is part of Trimble's policy. It's not about just being first. We need to make sure it works and it works consistently and predictably and reliably. And we continue to build on the culture of trust that Trimble's worked on for an exceedingly long time. Now let's get back to the conversation with Tim Norris as he discusses how to keep your dealership's values top of mind and shares a strategic planning tool you can use to assess your dealership's strengths and weaknesses. It sounds like to be successful that leadership team really needs to put some thought into their vision and their core values. So after they're spending all that time thinking about it and putting all that work in, what should they be doing to keep their values and vision top of mind among everybody in the company? Well, for one thing, it needs to be repeated, repeated, repeated. <laughs> we had our mission just right on the wall in the office. So any customer that walks in, there's a six-foot mission, three-foot high, six-foot wide, tells exactly what our mission is. The other thing that we do, so over the top of the hallway that led back to the offices, we posted the uh, Bible verse, Colossians 3.23. And it says, you know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord and not for human masters. So we just tried to keep that in front of everybody every single day. And every time you walk through that hallway, hopefully you'll look up and you see that and you think, 
what I'm doing is, is really for the glory of God and not for me and not for human masters. We're, we're doing it for a, a, a greater purpose. And we put to serve God and mankind on the back of all our pickup trucks. Um, we had a, our mission statement on our uh, business card. We had it on all of our advertising literature. And uh, one of the things that, that we did, and, and I think this helped the salespeople a lot, um, is even like if you had some service people at a trade show or something and they wanted to explain the company, we had our story. We built a um, basically a folder that we could put the literature in from the different companies that we sold. But that folder told the Ag Infotech story. And it started off with first thanking the customer for considering Ag Infotech and then kind of telling the story about, you know, what our mission is, what our, what our purpose is, um, the different product lines that we had, um, told a little bit about how we started. And, and it just kind of helped that salesperson introduce Ag Infotech to a new customer or a potential new customer. It also just reinforced the mission and the vision and the values. To me, I think the more you can reinforce those and the more you talk about it, the better it is. But you also have to do more than just talk about it. It can't be talk only. So we developed a, a, uh, a way to um, work with, with the team members and evaluate the team members utilizing the core values. And so this is one of the places where, where a lot of companies kind of, in my opinion, maybe fail with an organizational chart is they tend to have an organizational chart that has one job title for each person. And in a small company, you can't have that. It really doesn't work. Each person wears multiple hats in the company and has multiple job titles. So when I first rolled out, I call it an accountability chart to the team. They're like, this is crazy. You've got 30 some positions and there were eight of us at the time. I said, I have envisioned this company of what it would take to run it if we had one person for every job. But the fact is, we don't. So one day you might be the sales manager, the next day you might be installing a part or doing tech support for somebody. But if somebody else is in charge of the service department and you're the sales manager, when you go to the service department, you need to report to the person that's responsible for the service. And where it really is beneficial is if you are a new employee that comes in, this tells you every single job that you're doing, this would be who you're reporting to when you're working in that position. The other thing that it does is it allows us to really evaluate each team member for each position or hat or role that they fill, however you want to talk about it. And then we, we, we look at one, you know, do they have, do they have the time for the job that's needed for the job? Do they have the resources that are needed for the job? Do they have the ability that's needed for the job? And do they represent each of our core values while they're doing the job? And what's neat is by going through this exercise and, and uh, we do the exercise with all the management team in place. So they're kind of, evaluating each other mm-hmm. and they're evaluating each other in each role. And what you find out is you find out that somebody may be really good as a salesperson, but really lousy at installation. 
maybe they're decent at tech support, but you start to find the holes. And then when you go to add a new person, it makes it a lot easier saying, well, he doesn't really want this job. He's not really good at this job. Let's take some of those responsibilities and get him more into sales and hire somebody that can do this particular task. And that helps motivate people as well, because they know that if if they have to do something they really don't like or aren't good at, that we're monitoring it and we're not penalizing them for not being good at it, but we're going to try to get them worked out of it as soon as you can. Yeah. And then by taking the time to figure out the organization and where you may need additional help or to move responsibilities around, what does that do for your business financially and then also for the culture of it? Well, financially, it's going to help ensure that you're not hiring someone else that maybe doesn't fit into those areas you're specifically looking for people to fill those particular roles. Um, The other thing is, I I think it has more of a financial impact if people are doing things that they love to do Mm -hmm. versus things they don't want to do. Um, Just because they're going to be more efficient at it, they're going to be better at it, they're they're going to be more motivated to do it. Um, Culturally, I, I think that's just the same exact statement that I just said. They're going to be more motivated and just going to be happier if they're doing what they're good at. Right. Well, we are really looking forward to hosting you at the Precision Farming Dealers Summit uh, January 3rd through 4th in Louisville. I'm wondering if uh, to wrap up our conversation, you could give me three takeaways that attendees who are attending your presentation are going to walk away with. First takeaway I would say that people will walk away with is it's necessary to have my have a vision and to make sure that everybody knows the vision. Um, the second takeaway uh, I would say that they're going to walk away with is that we really need to be evaluating our team members for each position that they fill and making sure that they are exhibiting the values of the company in each position that they fill. And then the third thing I would I'd say that they're going to walk away with is a tool that will help them measure their performance of their team and the satisfaction level of their team. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're going to provide to any team or any attendee that would like to have it is what we call a state of the business survey that we've created. And this survey is basically 20 questions, and we want to send that to every single person on their team. And the questions ask if they're motivated by their their vision of their company. Um, Do they always know what their roles are? Um, You know, just several questions that, that walks them through about their company. And in the end, you can kind of see the areas that your company's really strong in, and you can also see areas where they're weak in. And one of the things that really shocked me when I started to use this uh, survey on my team was that I thought everybody knew what our vision and mission and values were, but we weren't doing a good job reaching a few of the people. So that's when we started to put the mission and vision on the walls and putting it on our business cards. And the more we did that and the more we talked about that, 
the clearer the mission was, the more excited people were that they answered that they were motivated by the vision and the values of the company. Um, and, and you start to be able to quantify over time from taking the survey um, and, and start to see, okay, well, here's where we need to work on. Here's our strengths. And over time, you can start to see those areas that you need to work on coming coming up and, and getting better. So that, that would be the last thing, I guess, that, that they should see out of this is having a, uh, a desire to see where their company ranks um, on being motivated by the vision, the mission, the core values, um, and uh, hopefully have a way to start to track it in the future. Yeah, that survey sounds like an excellent tool and a really good place to get started with their thinking about making these kinds of strategic changes. And then was there anything else you wanted to mention that we haven't talked about? Basically, I'm just going to mix a lot of stories about my experience and uh, experiences that I've had. Hopefully, there'll be a, a few things that are are funny, <laughs> but uh, hopefully I, I'm a person that tends to, to learn more from hearing people's stories than to just hear theory, and mm -hmm. I like to put a lot of stories in uh, with, with my presentations. Thanks to Tim Norris for joining me for today's episode of the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast, and I hope you'll join us for our next Precision Farming Dealer Summit. Let me know what you thought about this episode or share ideas for future conversations by emailing me at mclockner at .com or calling me at 262-777-2441. Be sure to keep up on the latest precision practices impacting your dealership by registering for our free daily email newsletter. Go to precisionfarmingdealer.com to sign up. For Tim Norris and Box Concepts Consulting, Trimble Agriculture, and all of us here at Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Associate Editor Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening.